here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 106.2 FM in Tohoyando. 11 minutes after one. So China has decided to legislate and actually pass into law the comprehensive ban on not just trade by consumption of wildlife in response to growing indications that the COVID-19 outbreak stems from a coronavirus found in wildlife sold for consumption. This is massive, massive on all, all kinds of ways. It's massive just because this means that a lot of scientists are saying, well, this could be the very beginning of what we see as the, the actual break in the kind of uh, wildlife uh, trade that's been happening around the world where we, we've seen uh, lots of uh, lobby groups try and mobilize and lobby and so on, which have not been able to yield real results. And this kind of ban could mean finally the world is starting to see some reaction to just preserving of wildlife unfortunately brought on by coronavirus. This also means, by the way, that unlike the U.S., you are suddenly going to have a superpower which will effectively move how the environment is going to be treated. We are trying to get hold of the person who's done a lot of stellar work on this kind of uh, research, Tierra Walters from the Daily Maverick, our Burning Planet journalist. We're struggling a little bit with that line, but I mean, I'd love your take on this one. What do you make of this ban? 0891-104-207. Essentially what it means, and, and, and there are two sides to this. So it could mean that traders because the thing is there are traders this came because there are traders this industry is thriving in china it has been thriving for decades and it stems from the fact that um some wildlife is is tradition use of that wildlife and consumption has been tradition so when a ban like this comes in Effectively, it also means that we've got to acknowledge that there is a particular trade that is being shut down as we speak. What does that mean? Does it mean that that particular trade is suddenly going to go underground? Is that what it means? And is there a likelihood that now we are starting, we're going to see a new underground movement of trading of, 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 of animals and so on? Is that the big threat? Or because we know how effective China is with law, you know, because we know how they can affect the law, that possibly this could be the green light that we've all been waiting for. 0891-104-207 is the number to dial. Let's quickly go to uh, Fezile in Durban. Fezile, thank you so much for joining us. Good afternoon. Fezile, good afternoon. I'm excited about what I've just heard. It, it, it's, is it good news for you, Fezile? Absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you very much for, for responding to that question, Fezile. Like the best news I've ever had. 
Thank you very much. Thank Abs- you very much. Absolute pleasure. Fezile there in Durban saying he welcomes it and he says that this is great news. I mean, just just imagine Pangolin. Just imagine the kind. I mean, we get the bus like this day in, day out, where we're hearing that there was a bust because, you know, um, this this the stash is going to China, it's headed to China. We know about Rhino Horn in this country and it's 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 demand in China. We know about Lion, that it's just been huge. So a band like this could mean a big, big break in, in what we are hearing as conservationists are saying. Or it could mean that suddenly all of this trade is going to go underground. Okay, we are trying to get hold of Tiara Walters, who we think now we have on a line. Tiara, thank you so much for joining us. You are, Tiara is coming from Daily Maverick as a Burning Planet journalist. Good afternoon, Tiara. Can you hear us? I can. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. Well, thank you so much for making the time, Tiara. I mean, I was just announcing earlier to say that China has now uh, decided that not only are they just going to ban trade and consumption, but every single possible use of wildlife in China. Is this great news? It is good news. However, there is a caveat that we need to bear in mind. Um the the new decision prohibits eating terrestrial wild animals. Okay. So it's not all wildlife. There has been a general misconception about this, but the Chinese state news agency hasn't been brilliant about communicating nuances. But anyway, the point is it's terrestrial wild animals, including those bred or reared in captivity. And the consumption issue applies only to food. It doesn't apply to medicine, um, hunting, trading and transporting terrestrial wild animals for the purposes of consumption is also prohibited. And this matters a lot because only the 402 species on the list of state protected wildlife were banned from consumption as wild meat in China. So this does take it a lot wider. Okay, you, when you say only 402, that means what, what's the actual capacity of what it is that they're trading? I don't have that number in front of me, mm-hmm. but uh, I guess 402 species compared with what is consumed by, uh, I guess, uh, the Chinese market would be, a, a, I guess, a, a relatively small amount. Really? Tiara, when you say only terrestrial, what what does that leave out? So what can still be traded? Right. Uh, so uh, aquatic wildlife okay. is not included on the list. And that's because the National People's Congress uh, views fishing as a natural oh. resource. Uh, it's an important agricultural product. Um, and they consider it to be common international practice. So uh, does that uh, kind of... means, for example, yeah. I, I beg your pardon. We've obviously got a delay in this line. So does it mean, for instance, that um, shark fin soup can still be consumed? Yeah, uh, possibly. I'm not actually 100% sure about that. But so... Some farmed wildlife can still be uh, consumed for medicinal purposes. So, uh, for example, um, 
pangolin scales from a certified source can still be used for medicinal purposes. Bear bile from legal farms for medical purposes, they can still be, um, a bear bile can still be utilized. And that's really concerning because uh, bear bile farming is a shocking practice where bears are kept in really small uh, cages just for the use of, of their bile. And there's no scientific evidence that the bile does anything. Um, and uh, but uh, farmed amphibians and reptiles can still be consumed. Uh, wild plants are not included in the ban. And then, of course, we have uh, um, animals like mink and raccoons, which are also on the list of, I think it's called uh, genetic resource of livestock and poultry. Goodness. I, I mean, I was just speaking to a, a Fez who called us in who said, this is fantastic news. And I had the same sentiments. I'm starting to kind of measure my, my, my enthusiasm here because it sounds like there's still quite a lot that can be traded and consumed. So do we, how much do we know about the animal responsible for this coronavirus? Do we, do we have any details there coming through from China? I do want to say that conservationists believe that this is the most monumental announcement uh, uh, in terms of conservation coming out of China ever. So generally, it is considered a really good thing. Um, and, and we are in the conservation community as environmental journalists. We do believe that China should be applauded for taking a bold step. Uh, in terms of the intermediate host of of uh, this virus, it's still unclear. However, pangolins are suspected and uh, a daily maverick broke the global news on the American research. And so what those scientists told us uh, is that we don't have proof that pangolins transmitted COVID-19 to humans. What we do know is that pangolins are vectors for coronavirus, that we do know, and that an important element in pangolin coronavirus is a very close match to an important element in human coronavirus. Now, this is important, just to break mm. down uh, the, the scientific jargon. This element in pangolins, which is the bit of RNA that latches onto the host and infects it, is called the receptor binding domain, or RBD. And this RBD in pangolins is a closer match to humans than it is to bats. Now, bats are important because they were initially thought to have transmitted um, the strain of coronavirus to humans. However, the RBD in pangolins is likely a closer match to the human version. So what the scientists think uh, is that the coronavirus, this latest strain of coronavirus, recombined in pangolins and somehow found its way to humans. But we're not sure how the virus would have jumped from pangolins to humans. Well, this is this is worrying because if that, that research is true, and obviously, as we said, we're still speculating now. If that is true, that there is a link between pangolins and this, and yet with the ban that we see in China, pangolin scales are, are excluded, mm, I'm not so sure then. Yes. Well, there have been, so there's been debate around this. Okay. Uh, on the one hand, people are worried about the fact that, or, or the possibility that people might retaliate and and kill pangolins because they think they are now a vector of the virus. However, 
a coronavirus can actually live harmlessly in wildlife. Zoonotic diseases can live harmlessly in wildlife. Um, on the other hand, one might also argue that this is the best chance yet for clamping down on the trade uh, of pangolins. Pangolins are among the world's most endangered um, and trafficked mammals. So you might say in some ways, if this doesn't help such a threatened species, what will? All right, let's take calls, Tiara, if you don't mind. Resilience is calling us from the Free State. Good afternoon, Resilience. Afternoon, and thanks for taking my call, and hello to your listeners there and your guests. Go ahead, Resilience. Uh, What I want to say is that it must not be a ban from eating uh, wildlife animals. If we can remember, well, there was that time outbreak of the swine flu in China. I don't know, I think it's three to four years back. I think if you can remember from eating cats, if I'm not mistaken. Do, do I mean, how much do we know about that, Tiara? What what uh, brought up the, the, I think it was the swine flu and also it was SARS as well. Those details, yeah. how much do we know about those, Tiara? Thanks very much for that, uh, Resilience. Uh, right, so in terms of zoonotic diseases, which are actually incredibly widespread, uh, in in animals, you know, it, it's it, I guess it's a really important talking point right now because we just don't know what's next. So right now we have um, coronavirus, which is threatening to shut down the entire human planet, uh, our economies, um, our way of life. Uh, so that is that is really scary. But what is good, if I may? Um, uh, uh, gingerly phrase it like that about this virus is that it's it's almost done more for conservation than uh, Western NGOs have managed to achieve in China in decades. I didn't quite I couldn't quite hear your call, so I'm not quite sure what the question is. But uh, from what I understand it, it's about uh, zoonotic diseases diseases and how they might impact on uh, our lives. Well, well, what he was saying was that it, it should uh, spread. So the species that we've got here, the 402 species, should also include domestic cats and so on, because his perception was that they were also responsible at some point for the spread of swine flu. Yes. So to just talk uh, more broadly, speak more broadly to the issue of zoonotic diseases, bird flu, swine flu, Ebola, Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, SARS, each of these cuts um, a, a very straight forensic trail to people who interacted with sick or dead animals uh, at some point. So um, I, I interviewed for my story, I interviewed someone called Carl Aman. Um, he is an investigative journalist uh, and an activist, and he's still at it at the moment. He is in China. And in 1999, the New York Times, I think they named him the chief nemesis of the bushmeat trade. And Carl was the one who in the 90s and 2000s blew the lid off the consumption of primate bushmeat, which is the source of simian immunodeficiency virus that eventually mutated into human HIV. So we absolutely cannot understate the dangers of eating uh, meat, uh, farmed meat and uh, wild meat, especially the kind of meat 
that is harvested uh, under live slaughter conditions in uh, the markets in China that are now closed, but they certainly were a major concern. And the issue now, of course, is will this ban be permanent? Um, if the ban is not permanent, then we go back to square one. If the ban is permanent and, it's infect and it is effectively enforced, then it means a lot for wildlife across the planet and for human health. Yeah, Tira, I mean, there are some other lobby groups and conservationists who are saying, mm, not such great news. You spoke to climate action trackers and what was their response? So a climate action tracker, I didn't actually interview, but they are an online watchdog and how well countries are doing in terms of their climate commitments. Now, how this plays into uh, the um, wildlife trade issue is as our natural resources become more stressed, the intersection between major treaties, so the Convention on International Trade in Endangered Species, and uh, for example, the Paris Climate Accord will become a lot more important. And so if China has a, you know, if it, if it can position itself as a global leader in conservation by effectively shutting down the ban, um, if it keeps its seat at um, the uh, Paris climate negotiations, then it really uh, takes advantage of US President Donald Trump's huge and many strategic missteps in terms of uh, being a, a, a global environmental leader, whereas the US is pulling back. Um, China appears to be stepping into, I guess, a, a bigger leadership role. And in terms of climate action tracker, uh, China is, I think they um, consume as much CO2 as they produce renewable energy. So what um, climate action tracker is saying is it's, opti it's actually optimistically cautious and they are quite strict in terms of their assessments. China can go either way at the moment when it comes to um, being a leader in climate. And then of course, the jury is still out on where we're gonna go with this wildlife ban. I mean, this is huge. As the US officially leaves the UN Paris Climate Accord in November, this potentially leaves a big gap for China to take that really very important stage on the global political stage. Yes, absolutely. Uh, it and it boggles the mind why uh, the US would pull out would would have such uh, an anti multilateral um, approach to geopolitics at a time when geopolitics really, uh, one must say, it's it's probably the most important talking points on the international agenda right now. Look at coronavirus. It is actually a conservation issue as much as it is a public health issue. Now, in terms of uh, China's um, uh, ability to position itself in opposition to uh, the US uh, uh, isolationist position, what we need to understand here and this is really important. The majority of Chinese don't support the trade in wildlife. They are pro uh, supporting um, agreements like the Paris Treaty. We are talking about hundreds of millions of people who are right behind the government's decision. The polls show that. Anyone who has been China will know that. You don't need to convince the electorate. We are dealing with an advanced country um, 
we're dealing with um, uh, sophisticated science. Yes, there's a lot we can say about China's human rights record. But um, on the whole, the middle classes are very much aware of of wildlife issues, and they are pet owners. They love they love their dogs and their and their cats. Hmm. So they are right behind the um, the uh, Politburo in China in terms of cracking down on wildlife. Really, really, thank you so much for for making the time to talk to us, Tiara Walters, who is our Burning Planet journalist. As uh, China has gone very, very far, uh, very far in uh, banning.